obviously we've got a short week, so I'm pressed up against it. And uh, we're playing an outstanding Utah State team. Ten returning stars. Uh, they have an elite quarterback, uh, obviously Bonner, uh, really good running back, outstanding receivers, uh, good up front, explosive offense. Uh, play it fast, play in tempo, get the ball vertically down the field, and really stress your defense. So um, they've done a great job. Really well coached outfit, really well coached team. I'm not surprised. You know, Coach Anderson's a hell of a coach and uh, done, done, got a lot of experience. So this team looks outstanding on defense. Uh, you know, coach Band has done a great job as a defense coordinator. I think they're really well put together on defense. Uh, you got some talented guys there as well. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's going to be quite a great challenge for us. Going out there in a short week on the road out, out to uh, out to Logan, and uh, it's, it's, it's been quite a task. It's an outstanding football team. So we've got a lot of work to do this week uh, to get ready to play, but we have a lot of respect for the team we're going to play and, and realize that this will be a big time on West Contest. What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. That was Steve Adazio at his Monday press conference, kind of setting the scene for Utah State. And that's what we are going to do on this evening. It's Tuesday night when I'm recording this, the 19th. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really pumped for this Friday night matchup between CSU and Utah State. This is a series that historically, you know, over the last decade, well, I mean, really going back all the way throughout the history, it's always been tight. But over the last decade, I think this has been a good indicator of kind of where CSU is at as a program. You know, when Utah State's been down and CSU's been up, it, it's still been a competitive game and kind of vice versa. It's just always it's just always one of those matchups that tests you. And, and anytime you're able to come away with a victory, in Logan especially, I mean, at home too, but in Logan especially, is significant. And the Rams need this one. This is a big-time game. I mean, it's huge for their chances of reaching a bowl game. I mean, obviously, it's not the end of the world if you drop this one. You're playing a good team. They're 4-2. and two. They've been competitive in every game that they played. They already have some some big wins. You know, they, they went into the academy and handed Air Force their only loss. They beat Washington State in the Week 1 matchup. You know, that was really unexpected. So today I'm just going to kind of start to preview this Utah State team, talk about their weapons, you know, what they do well, what worries me about them, why I'm fairly confident about the Rams going into this matchup. I'm not like cocky or anything like that, but I do think there is a, a plan for success and we'll kind of dive into that today and, and really in the coming days. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. Before we dive into it though, Something to keep in mind for our homeowners. With prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that and make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how stressful trying to buy a house is in Colorado right now. It's it's just absurd. The market is so crazy. Let my friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress and just take some of that worry off your plate. They're proud DNVR members. They actually helped us put on the event with Trey McBride. They're CSU alum. They're diehard Ram fans. And they have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation, and you're just going to be able to discuss all your options. If you'd like to talk to somebody directly, Give my man Mike a ring at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. 
or you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, 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 cool. So like I said, we're, we're pretty much going to focus on Utah State in this one. We've got media day coming up tomorrow for hoops, so we'll start to kind of dive into hoops a little bit more. I was actually on a basketball podcast tonight uh, with some with some buddies that cover San Diego State. I'll post that on Twitter. It's really fun to start focusing in on that. Before we do talk about Utah State, I just kind of wanted to briefly, just very briefly, I'm not going to go on a, like a big rant here, just kind of dive into this Nick Rolovich situation at Washington State. He and four assistants, including former CSU assistant Ricky Logo, they have all been terminated after failing to get the COVID-19 vac- uh, vaccine. There was a state mandate that required all Washington State employees to get it, aside from like religious exemption. And based on what I've read, there have only been like seven or eight people that have been granted those. So it was always going to be a long shot. And Rolo's out. He won his last game. And actually, I mean, Washington State had been pretty competitive in every game this year for the most part. But yeah, the Rolovich era comes to an end, a season and a half, basically. And it's really interesting to just kind of see how this whole thing plays out now. There's going to be a lot of deferring opinions on, you know, whether people should be forced to get the COVID-19 vaccine or not. I'm I'm not really smart enough to kind of dive into that, nor do I care to. But in my opinion, this is the situation where Rolovich kind of fumbled the bag. Like, you're walking away from $3 million a year. He still had three years on his contract even after this year. You're getting fired with cause. I mean, I'm sure there's a lawsuit coming, but you're you're not going to see a cent. And now the entire season for Washington State is completely disrupted. I mean, he he always knew that he wasn't going to get it. I just, I don't know, man. I feel like if you really cared about your team the way that you claim to, you either would have stepped aside this season so that you weren't a distraction. You know, obviously you can't go full Kyrie Irving in that situation and start calling yourself a voice for the voiceless or any of that BS. But, you know, step away, come back in a year. Hopefully things are a little bit better. I mean, maybe that would have been possible. But the way this whole thing played out is unfortunate on a lot of levels. And I got to imagine it's, it's going to throw a wrench in, in Washington State's season. We'll, we'll see kind of how they respond. But having been inside a football program and, and you know, worked for one for a very short time in, in college, I know what it's like when your livelihood is completely dependent on the decisions of other individuals. And that's why I really feel bad for these players, for the assistant coach, the staffers, all kinds of people that were doing the right thing, you know, that were just there to work. They didn't want, you know, any of this to be the circus that it became. You know, they they can't do that. It's not like they can you know, talk back to Rolovich. He's not exactly the easiest guy in the world. But they're all going to get screwed because of the selfish decision, because of pride. I don't know. Again, like, I I understand that this COVID-19 vaccine stuff, that's a personal decision. I, I know people that have not gotten it. I don't hate them. I don't hate Nick Rolovich or anything like that. But I don't agree with his decision. And I, I don't respect it. One, just... Look, I mean, I I did get the vaccine because I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, individual responsibility and, you know, looking out for others. It really wasn't about me, to be honest. Like, I didn't think I was going to end up in the hospital if I got it or anything like that. Again, you know, this is 
just me kind of telling you my personal opinion, but you know, I, I wanted to be around my grandparents and, and feel comfortable in doing so. And, and they were more comfortable if I got it and I don't blame them, you know, to me, that makes a lot of sense. But then just kind of on top of that, I, I wanted to just briefly go into the whole notion of like being forced. Cause again, he Rolovich had to get it if he wanted to keep his job, but it's not like he's going to jail or anything. So I don't know. I just, I think some people are going to kind kind of try and frame this as like him being a martyr or something like that. But ultimately I, to me, I just think he's being a selfish prick and he's costing a lot of people inside his program. And you're, you're costing yourself an awesome opportunity, a great job at Washington state where you have a chance to be competitive, but you know, the expectations aren't through the roof or anything like that. And now I just, I have a hard time seeing him get another coaching job again. I mean, maybe down the line, but this whole thing, it's just been, it's just been a total circus. And I guess being prideful and walking away from like 12 million and losing a head football gig, like maybe it's all worth it. Maybe if, you know, standing up for what you believe in or whatever is that important to you, all the power to you, I guess. But I think it was a selfish decision. I think it impacted the whole program. And I personally disagree with it. You know, we have we have freedom of choice, but there are consequences that come with those decisions. And that's just kind of how it works. You know, like I said, it's not like he's going to go to jail or anything like that. He loses his job. I'd get vaccinated if I wanted to be in the press box for CSU this year. That's the policy. You know, they're not forcing me to get it, but I had to get it if I wanted to come. That's just, you know, how things work. If you want to get on an airplane... You have to go through TSA. Nobody's forcing you to go through TSA. But if you want to get on that plane, you know, I heard somebody make that comparison on the Internet and I thought it, it was pretty astute. Anyways, that's that's my thoughts on the situation. And there's <laughs> there's not a whole lot I wouldn't do for twelve million dollars. I'll say that. But that's just where I'm at. Um, kind of diving into what we learned from Steve Adazio on Monday. He really emphasized a couple of things and. The first is red zone execution, and I'm actually going to play that audio. You know, it was obviously one of the things I focused on after the game. You know, as encouraging as it was, the offense has really been moving the ball well. And the fact that they're ending, you know, 88, you know, 0.5 or whatever percent of their red zone opportunities with points, that's great. But we're getting into the portion of the schedule where I just think you're going to have to score more touchdowns. And obviously, Steve Adazio agrees. I mean, he brought it up. He's like, Caden Camper, he's killing it. Love the dude, but I don't want him to be kicking this much. Adazio also mentioned that he thinks they're they're kind of relying too frequently on some of those tight formations. They often play 13 personnel in the red zone, which is three tight ends. They have three tight ends that are capable, you know, as pass catchers, though, and that's where spreading it out, even if you are sticking with tight ends because you want to have the flexibility to, to shift them in or, or block or do whatever you want to do, but not everything has to be out of a tight formation and and not to like toot my own horn or anything, but it made me feel kind of smart because that was one of the things I was talking about on the postgame show and it was also in my takeaways piece. Centeno's been great when they've spread the field out and they've done those QB keepers. They've mostly done it near midfield. He's been really effective in those and he's a big dude. He's hard to bring down. I think if you spread it out and just give him a little bit of space, he's got good vision. He's thick, you know, his positive momentum. I doubt you're going to drive him back very frequently. I'd love to see more QB keepers. You got to be careful. You know, you don't want him to get hurt, but that's a really effective way to score. And right now I think it would be great because they're, they're running really effectively between the twenties, but against these stack sets in the red zone, they're not really getting a, a ton of momentum, you know, from the offensive line. And 
you know, part of that might be from the injuries. They've lost two starters in the last couple of weeks and they've had to plug and play some guys. But I just think spreading the offense out altogether and, and just kind of getting some of those defenders out of the box really could open some things up. One, I mean, you could do a halfback draw where they've actually been pretty successful running out of the shotgun. It, again, you know, when you do it for like three straight series, they're going to start to key on it. But if you spread it out, give Centeno an option to run, give some of these other tight ends an option. Gary Gary Williams has really turned into a fine pass catcher. He's kind of serving the role I expected Cam Butler to serve. He's doing a lot of dirty work. It's not that Cam Butler's not playing well. He's just kind of doing the stuff that doesn't always show up in the stat sheets, making blocks. I would like to see them get the ball to him a little bit more. And, you know, on Twitter, everyone's like, get get more red zone targets for Trey. And, and yes, I agree. But it's not always quite that simple. Like, at times, they're doubling him, tripling him. If, if they're doing that, you kind of have to do what the defense is giving you and then look the other way. But... Again, I just want to see more diversity in what CSU is running offensively down there because I do think John Budmeyer has been really effective as the offensive coordinator. I think he's figured out the best ways to maximize the talent of the guys he has at the skill positions. I think he's done a good job of dialing up the shot plays. They haven't always hit, but I really like the timing of most of them. I felt like they've been spot on. They're obviously driving the football really, really well. I mean, they're going up and down the field these last couple of weeks on their opponents. It's just, they're stalling in the red zone. You know, they, they got to find a way to kind of score here. And, and like I said, I am going to play that audio from Steve Adazio talking about it in just a second. Um, but I also kind of wanted to talk about special teams because they are going up against Savon Scarver and he's one of the most electric players in the entire country preseason, you know, special teams player of the year in this conference. He's housed like four kicks against Wyoming that might be an exaggeration, but that's what it feels like. He's he's a stud, man. The dude is a burner, and if you give him some lanes to work with, he is a guy that can make you pay for it in a hurry. And Atazio talked about that for a couple of minutes. You know, he's like, I really liked our lane coverage most of the season, but in in that last game, it just was not good. He did add that they've they've kind of had to change some of the rotation around. They've got guys, you know, like Christian Hunter and and Jalen Thomas that are now serving bigger roles in the offense. And so, you know, you can't necessarily risk losing them on special teams. And so some other guys have to step up. That kind of impacts the continuity, which is not an excuse. I mean, at the end of the day, this is D1 football. It's got to be like the next guy up. You have to execute point blank period, but at least it makes it make some sense. You know, when you see the unit succeed for like a month straight and then all of a sudden they have a really weird game. It's like, well, where'd that come from? If you had some different guys kind of playing in the mix now, that would make sense. But Again, you know, you know, you, you got to figure it out because this is a Utah State offense that's explosive enough. I mean, they can they can go for a 70 yard touchdown pass at any point. Bonner's got the arm for it. They've got, you know, Devin Tompkins at wide receiver, and I'll talk about him in a few minutes. He's awesome. You can't afford to allow a punt return for a touchdown or a kick return for a touchdown. Not against this team. They're too solid on defense and they're too explosive offensively. And those are kind of the, the three areas that Adazio is emphasizing for CSU. You know, they've got to win special teams this week. They can't get torched with explosive plays from Utah State's offense. And when they get in the red zone, they got to capitalize with more points. All right, let's let's play some of that audio from Adazio on Monday, and then let's kind of dive into talking about some of Utah State's biggest weapons. Steve, I know you enjoyed watching your defense play Saturday night, but was it even better watching the film? Did you see other things that impressed you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff on the table. We were um, 
some disappointing things as well. A lot of room to improve. Uh, the defense played well. Um, made the plays they needed to make. Uh, great job stopping the run, got pressure on the quarterback, etc. Created turnovers, uh, which is really important. So, a lot of good stuff happened there. Uh, offensively, um, a lot of good stuff happened uh, as well. I thought we played gritty as a team. Uh, you know, really felt like we were disappointed in a couple of coverage issues. We also realized after watching the tape, though, we had some real penalty issues on our kickoff team. Tackled our guys and uh, got away with that. Um, so, uh, we've got to do a better job uh, coaching and getting through that stuff. But uh, those are a couple of concerns we had. We want to get fixed. You know, uh, in these short weeks, I've, I've just kicked beyond that game right now. I'm so far moving forward right now. Because uh, to me, you see, this is my Tuesday right now. So it's hard for me to let my mind drift back to last week. Uh, there were some great performances. We had some record-breaking stuff done on defense. We're continuing to grow as a team. And like I always say in football, every week is a new challenge, you know. Uh, our defense will be challenged now in a different way. Uh, so, you know, here we go. Told our team, we've got to execute in all three phases at a high, high level this week. Um, it's got to be tremendous execution. That's kind of our mindset right now because you know the offense has got to take care of the defense. The special teams have got to create a great field position. We've all got to work together to have a chance to move out here. Uh, offensive line, you've had to do some shuffling and things. How do you feel that group is handling that as you kind of have to you know shift with some injuries and things? Well. You know, last week there were some growing pains in there a little bit, you know, compounded by the amount of defense we saw. Um, you know, we're still working through that. I mean, you know, we're not exactly where we were yet, but we'll get there. Um, we've lost two starters there, so it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Um, but the guys are working really hard. And I, I feel confident that we'll be fine. Um, it's like anything else, you know, take, you know, it takes so many injuries before that becomes a problem. But, you know, um, We'll see. We'll see. You've had to deal with some injuries on offense all the way around, but yet you're scoring better than 30 points a game in conference play. Are you seeing that as being, like you talked about, stacking bricks and that unit just getting better and being able to overcome some of the injuries of that? I think we've done a good job with some you know, We still haven't gotten Dante back to full strength, right? He's a major weapon force. Uh, Ajan, you know, dinged up his ankle. So, like, we got. We got stuff going on, yeah, and we've lost a couple of linemen. So there's constantly a flow of things going on. I thought we've managed that well. We've got a lot of offense right now. Offense isn't been our issue, in my opinion. It's making sure we're converting the offense into touchdowns, not field goals. You know, I think we're, you know, it's great we're kicking field goals and they're points, but we're leaving a lot. You know, we had, you know, we had almost 500 yards of offense, but we're leaving a lot. You know, we just, as a coach, you don't want to see that. We're striving for a higher level of help. You know, you we want to be 250, 250. We want to be, you know, we want to we want to run 85, 90 plays. We want those are the things we want to do. Um, and, and we got and we want to score touchdowns in the red zone, especially in the low red. That's that's kind of our that should be an area we should be able to do well in. And we just, you know, we've studied the heck out of it, you know, is our calls, is it this, is it that? It's kind of just a little bit of breaking down. And I think it comes with more maturity, and I think it's execution. I think it's stuff where, you know, shows its head. And we've got to, to me, we've got to get that put away. 
you're not going to go up to this place and play this game. If you have opportunities in the red zone, you better come away with touchdowns, not field goals now. I guess field goals are better than nothing, but <laughs> touchdowns. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get some skin in the game with the same game parlay, which allows you to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and liable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out the homies over at Solace Meds. They've got some smoking hot October deals for you. As always, I mean, they're always hooking it up. They have four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. All month long, Dixie Gummies, Solace Bar, Solace Stick, Smile High Extraction, Summit Products, and 1906 Drops are all 25% off. On the 30th and 31st, the entire store is buy three, get one free. And if you go on Halloween itself with a purchase of $50 or more, you are going to get a goodie bag. As always, if you head into any location and use the code DNVR20, not only are you going to get a free Solace Bar, which is a delicious edible, or a King Cone, the biggest pre-rolled joint on the market, you're going to get 20% off your entire order. You heard me right. Head into any location, use the code DNVR20. You're going to get 20% off your entire order and some free swag. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Just head to solacemeds.com, order online, pick up at your convenience, and again, make sure you're using that code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire order. Cool, 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 cool. I'm going to write about this matchup, obviously, as well, and kind of get into the weeds a little bit more, but I did want to start to talk about the playmakers on this team, both offensively and defensively. Um, I'm going to start with defense because we're mostly going to focus on the offense, but Justin Rice is a stud. I mean, he was a beast at Fresno State. He was extremely productive at Arkansas State last year, and he has just come, and he's looking like the defensive player in the year in the in the Mountain West so far. I think really, and I'd have to verify some of the interception stats to make sure there's not a DB I'm sleeping on or a linebacker or something like that, but... I mean, it'd be like him and Scott Patchen for me, at least in terms of the front runners for defensive player of the year. He does everything at linebacker for this team. He's a beast in the run game. He's awesome in pass coverage. You wouldn't necessarily expect it. I mean, he's like a beefy white dude out there with a mullet and he'll close on a ball. I mean, his breaking speed is really, really tremendous. He's just one of those dudes that always feels like he's in the play. He just always seems to be in the right place at the right moment. As I said, he can really lay the wood. He moves well you have to contain him. I mean, he's the type of guy that can really disrupt an entire offense. Wouldn't surprise me if they had him on Trey McBride at times. Like I said, he's pretty good in pass coverage, but uh, that Trey McBride guy is pretty good too. <laughs> uh, offensively, they, they played two different quarterbacks this year. Uh, Logan Bonner, who came over with Blake Anderson from Arkansas State, he's the main starter. Thick dude, about 6'1", you know, with a strong arm. He, he's a gorgeous deep ball. 
I will say he tends to force it a little bit, both on stretch plays and in the red zone. He's thrown at least one interception in every single game. In the Boise State game in particular, he just they would drive all the way up and down the field, and then the red zone decisions were, were so weird, so questionable. They had like 300 yards of total offense in the first half and no points. They ended up losing that game 27-3. to I know the red, zones, the red zone stuff from CSU has been frustrating, but frustrating, frustrating, flustering, I'm mixing like eight words. It's a, it's a good example of why at least scoring some points is important. Again, like I'm, I'm CSU needs to be more effective in the red zone. They need to score more touchdowns if they're going to beat some of these really good teams in the mountain West, but it's deflating to come away with nothing. And Utah States found that out the hard way a couple of times this year, just something to consider. You know, I, I, I like Centeo's decision-making down there, at least for the most, for the most part. Uh, because Bonner can be a little bit erratic with his decision-making, we've also seen Andrew Peasley. He is a little bit more of a dual-threat guy, kind of a change-of-pace option. He's a lot bigger, you know, 6'2", 210. He moves well. He's also a little bit indecisive, at least in the small sample size I've seen as a passer. He did light up Air Force, uh, Air Force actually through three touchdowns in their upset, but Ultimately, I think their offense is more effective when Bonner is kind of doing it, but it would not surprise me if we saw some Peasley in this. He's played in five games so far. Like I said, did lead them to the the win over Air Force. That's still Air Force's only loss after going on the road and beating Boise State last week. Falcons are, are looking really good. In the backfield, the Aggies are led by Calvin Tyler Jr., Oregon State transfer. Good running back, solid vision, uh, good ability to break tackles. He has been contained to 63 combined yards over the past two games. That was three yards and then 60 yards. CSU has obviously been really good against the run for basically the last five weeks, and and that bodes well for them in this matchup. You're going to have to contain it. I really think Utah State, when they're able to run the ball effectively, it's mostly about setting up those deep shots. And so if you can contain them, not only is it going to make things easier on your linebackers, your front seven, but it's also really going to help your secondary. So I think keeping him to a reasonable game is going to be really important and just trying to eliminate those play action deep shot opportunities where they can hit Devin Tompkins over the top. That dude's only 5'8", 165 pounds, but he's a burner. He already has six touchdown catches this year. His game logs are absolutely insane. I actually kept this pulled up because I wanted to talk about it. Against Washington State, eight catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. North Dakota, eight catches for 172 yards and a touchdown. At Air Force, he had nine catches for 188 yards and a touchdown, four for 60 at Boise, the only game he didn't score. At BYU last week, nine catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. And against UNLV, he had 12 catches, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. He is by far their biggest playmaker, their biggest threat. This is the guy you cannot let kill you because if they're able to stretch the field with him, it's going to be a long, long day. And he's effective in the quick screen too, so it's just tough. He's shifty. He's fast. He's great with yards after the catch. You got to watch out for him in the, in the rushing game a little bit too. They've occasionally gone to him on some sweeps type, type stuff. So just a lot, of, a lot of really explosive weapons between Scarver and Tompkins and Tyler Jr. And then on you know defense with Justin Rice, and I like their secondary as well. Like They have a lot of dudes that can really, really make it a long day for you. This is a huge game for CSU and I'm, I'm really interested to see how they deal with these weapons. You know, I think this is a, a prove it game for the Rams. Obviously you can still reach a bowl game if you lose this one, but 
winning it and, and picking up another conference win on the road, that would be so huge. I mean, you never want to count on having to beat Hawaii on the island. The border war is the border war. I mean, on the road, especially, it's going to be brutal. I think those are probably the two most winnable games. I, I mean, I'm not saying they can't beat Air Force or Boise State or Nevada. All those games are potentially winnable, but your best opportunities you know, are Utah State, Wyoming, and Hawaii to secure those six wins. And we'll, we'll kind of see. Like I said, this has been a, a series that's historically been really competitive, had a really, especially in Logan, just a lot of low-scoring, grinded-out type games. And if they can get in one of those again this weekend, I think that's really going to favor CSU if it turns into more of a shootout that probably favors the Aggies just with the way they can stretch the field. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. I know you guys are too. We'll have post-game coverage, DNVR Rams late night. We'll have more pre-game coverage ramping up to the, the matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, anyways, thank you to everybody that continues to listen to the podcast. I'm Justin Michael. This is the DNVR Rams pod presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Much love. Scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly Like not for